As kids, most of us, maybe even all of us, had a fear of the dark. Uh, probably, probably most of us had a nightlight growing up. Maybe you remember exactly what kind of nightlight you had. Uh, if you didn't have a nightlight, then before your parents left the room, you probably said something like, be sure to leave light on when you go to bed. Before Tombow Dead and Motel 6, little kids were asking to leave a light on. The hall light, the bathroom light, lamp in the room. Uh, kids just come into the world uh, with a fear of the dark. No, nobody has to sit kids down. You didn't sit your kids down. Your parents didn't sit you down and say, okay, you need to be afraid of the dark. We never gave them that lecture. You didn't have to, to teach them to be afraid of the dark. The dark teaches us to be afraid of the dark, right? Uh, if you're in the dark for very long, especially as a child, fear is just sort of a natural response. Um, and and it, maybe it's not so much the dark as it's the unknown that the dark represents, you just can't see. That's why it's dark. You can't, you, you can't see what's happening. And so all of the things that you believed when the lights were on, you question when you're in the dark because you scanned the room and you were sure there was nothing under your bed, there was nothing in, in your closet, there were no other beings in the room. But as soon as the light goes off, your brain questions all of that. Um, and, and you assume something is there, something is under the bed, something is right in front of you, something is coming to get you. We, we tend to question in the dark things that we believe easily in the light. We question what's happening, and, and especially if you combine dark and quiet. Like for little kids, dark and quiet is a terrible combination because Every little noise that you hear or the fact that you don't hear any noises adds to the mystery of the dark. Then we become adults and we would do anything for dark and quiet, wouldn't we? Like if we could just have one night of dark and quiet, that would be fantastic. We all have lived our lives in a time of ever-increasing light. We have tons of light now. Uh, we not only have house lights, you could turn all the lights on in your house and leave them on all night if you wanted to, if you, did, if you wanted to escape the dark that badly. But we not only have house lights, we have outside lights and motion sensor lights, and we have lights for our driveway, we have street lights and red lights, we have reading lights that you clip on a book and running lights that you wear on your head. I, we have all kinds of light in and, and, and our life. There's only been more and more and more light and types of light. I, I found this map on the, uh, on the Internet. It shows kind of a progression of the United States and, and lighting. Uh, the one top left corner is the late 50s. This is what it, it would have looked like, uh, the, the lighting in the United States. Middle 70s over here, top right. 1997, lower left. And then projected 2025, which we're almost there. That's hard to believe. 2025. So we've lived in, no matter when you were born in that time range, we've lived in this constantly increasing uh, time of light. Just more and more light. So analogies of light and darkness maybe aren't quite as poignant for us as they would have been, say, 100 years ago. 
uh, or 200 years ago or 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. Before uh, there was electricity, well, there's always been electricity, but b- before that we, we were able to use it and put lights in our homes, before any of that started, when the sun went down, it was dark. And maybe you had a fire and that created some light or maybe you had some candles, but you couldn't burn candles all the time. So there was a time when the sun went down, you pretty much got ready to go to bed. And, uh, oh, wouldn't that be nice? So you had this whole night to sleep, and so you got ready because it was going to be dark. It's it's in that environment 2,000 years ago that Jesus makes an I am statement related to light and darkness. So that's what we're studying. We're studying the I am statements of Jesus as we lead up to Easter. They're found in the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is where we're going to be this whole series. We're in John chapter 8 today. Jesus is actually teaching at the Feast of the Tabernacles, John chapter 7, John chapter 8. The Feast of the Tabernacles, sometimes called the uh, Feast of Booths, uh, called Sukkot in uh, Hebrew. The Feast of the Tabernacles was a celebration of the harvest. It was at the end of the harvest, so everybody came to the city. Jews and Gentiles alike came to this feast. Like Everybody could come to this big party, and you, you thanked God for the harvest that you just had, and you prayed for the next harvest, and you asked for rain so that there'd be plenty of crops. It was also a way to commemorate the wandering in the wilderness by the Hebrew children under Moses. Uh, it's called tabernacles or booths because in the wilderness, the Hebrew children had temporary housing. They would camp in one place and they'd set up their house, their tent, and then they'd take it down and they'd go somewhere else and they'd set up their tent or their temporary housing. So the Feast of Booths was a week when many people would build kind of a campout scene, kind of a booth or a tent, and they would live in that or, or they would celebrate part of the festival in that, so this is going on. Jesus has been teaching during the Feast of the Tabernacle in John chapter seven, and then in John chapter eight, John says, "When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Now, why does Jesus pick that analogy? For one, the the prophecies and the descriptions of God throughout the Old Testament, if you go back, especially read the Psalms, it speaks of God as light or the light of God, that God would shine His light on us or uh, that we would walk in the light of God. So this connection between God and light is very real, very well known from the Old Testament. But even specifically, prophecies about the Messiah sometimes had to do with light. They connected the coming Savior, the coming Messiah, with light. During the Christmas season, we will at some point every year read from Isaiah chapter 9. And we'll read the verse that says, uh, For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be uh, upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That verse, you may have heard it at Christmas or put it on a Christmas card. We read that verse every Christmas. It's a, it's a 
prophecy about the, the Messiah that's going to come eventually, Jesus. But the way that prophecy begins is like this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So speaking of the coming Messiah, light was an analogy, it was a metaphor. We're in the dark, we don't see everything clearly, but when the Messiah comes, He's going to bring light, and we're going to understand, and He's going to lead us, and He's going to light our path and light our future. Fast forward seven, eight hundred years from Isaiah 9, and Jesus is standing at the Feast of the Tabernacles. At the Feast of Tabernacles, there were two main ceremonies. One was a water ceremony, and I think we've talked about it at some point in the past. I'm not going to describe it. But then there was a light ceremony. It was a particular night of the Feast of the Tabernacles when in the outer court there were four huge candle stands, for lack of a better word, but as in 75 feet tall, some people believe. You had to have a ladder to get to the top of them. So there's four of these stands. They each have four bowls of oil. Those are filled during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And once a year, during the, the, this particular light ceremony, they are all set on fire. So you have 16 huge bowls of oil towering over all of the people, and the people would normally bring lamp, bring torches with them. So there was this huge light that Jewish historians say you could see for miles. This one time a year, for miles and miles, you would see this huge light. And Jesus, a day or two later, later many believe, is standing in that exact spot. The candles are still there. They're not on fire. They're still there. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. Because all of you had this big celebration. It was awesome. Huge fire. Big light. They put it out. And now you're going back home where you mostly live in the dark when the sun goes down. But if you follow me, if you come after me, I am the light of the world. And you will never walk in in darkness. I have come to bring clarity, to bring light. I am the light of the world. Now, John, the, the gospel writer, John picks up on this language. As a matter of fact, he, it almost looks like he steals it from Jesus. John knew what Jesus said and thought, hey, that's really good. I'm going to use that. And John puts it in chapter 1, and maybe he's thinking, well, Jesus doesn't say it till chapter 8, so maybe nobody will know I stole it from Jesus. But John's taking this light analogy in John chapter 1, and he writes, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's never going out. Feast of Tabernacles, huge scene, incredible light. See it for miles around, it goes out. Jesus is coming, Messiah is coming, and His life, the fact that He is God, the love and grace that He's going to bring, the, the energy and vitality that He's going to bring in His life, the life that's going to be sacrificed at some point, that life is the light of all the world, and darkness will never overcome it, which is a great analogy if you think about it, because darkness can't overcome light. Light can chase away darkness, 
If you're in a dark room and you bring a candle in or you bring a flashlight in or a light in, darkness has to go. Light can overcome darkness, but you can't have a light and then bring in darkness that's going to put out the light. Like darkness doesn't take out light. Light chases away darkness. And that's what John's saying. In this life, in this person, Jesus, he was the light of the world and darkness would never, ever overcome it. Not then, not now, not ever. The darkness of this world won't overcome it. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no darkness in the world. It's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I'm the light of the world, but that didn't mean that Jesus was saying, now that I'm here, all the darkness is gone. We know that's not true. We can read our history books and know there's been a lot of darkness after Jesus came. There's been a lot of evil in the world after Jesus. We could turn on the news. You can scroll through your Twitter feed. There's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of evil. Jesus was not saying, I've come and now all the darkness is gone. Jesus was saying the only chance for there to be light anywhere in the world is when Jesus is there. The only chance to chase out darkness is when Jesus moves into darkness and eliminates dark. Jesus is our only hope for light in this world. Hopefully you're not trusting the government to bring light into dark places, all right? Because that's not going to happen. Our best efforts apart from Jesus aren't going to bring light to dark places. The only way to bring light to dark places is for Jesus to get to those places. I am the light of the world. Darkness is never going to overcome this light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, the way Jesus talks about light and darkness and the way John talks about light and darkness, they make it clear that we're either in the light or we're in the darkness. There's not like an in-between zone. There's not light over here and darkness over here and sort of light in the middle. Ambient light. Just kind of a soft, warm glow here in the middle. Now, Jesus says, you're either in the light or you're without me in the darkness. You're either following me, which is going to put you in the light, or you're not following me, which is going to put you in the dark. You're not going to see clearly. There's going to be confusion. You're going to misinterpret and misunderstand things. If I'm not lighting your way, you're going to believe things that aren't true because that's what we do in the dark, right? Remember being a kid. You believed things that weren't true because you were in the dark. And Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago, I'm the light and you're either following me and I'm giving clarity to your thought and your decisions and what you believe to be true or you're in the dark and you're living in confusion. <clears throat> we would think, given those two options, I can live in the light or I can live in the darkness, we would think everyone would choose light. Right? It seems like the obvious choice. I, no, I, I want to be clear. I want to know what's true. I want to see what's real. I don't want to be confused and lost in the darkness. But John said it's not that simple. Not that simple of, well, this just looks like the better option. Why, why wouldn't you want to be in the light and follow Jesus? In John chapter 1, <clears throat> in verse 9, John writes, The true light, this is Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus was here. Jesus announced to a crowd of people standing in between four huge chandeliers, I'm the light of the world. Jesus made it absolutely clear. And John said, even though it was clear, there were people who didn't accept it. They didn't recognize Jesus as the light of the world. Maybe because they were pursuing other things. They thought other things were going to be the light of their world. They thought some other achievement or some other relationship or some other accomplishment or some other purpose in life. I'm going to go after this, and it's going to be the light of my world. John says there were people that didn't recognize that's false. That's actually darkness parading as light. Jesus is the light of the world. There will be people who don't recognize the lights. People fail to see Jesus as the light that he is. Not just then, not just when John was writing, but today. People fail to see in a world of darkness, there is one true light. And, and, and a part of failing to see that is failing to understand that all of these other things that I want to pursue are still darkness if, if Jesus isn't there. And they may be good things. They, there may not be anything wrong with the thing I'm pursuing. But without Jesus, that pursuit is still in darkness. Those things are still dark. But John, two chapters later, in John chapter 3, verse 19, John says it's even worse than that. It's worse than they just didn't recognize Jesus as the light and mistook something else as the light of their life. This is what he writes in verse 19. This is the verdict been decided. This is what's happening. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. It wasn't just that they made a mistake. It's not just that people are confused, although, although a lot of people are confused. The challenge for some people is that they love darkness more than light. They love the life that they're living. They love the choices that they're making. They love what they're doing apart from Christ. In other words, they've become satisfied with things other than the light. They've become content with things other than the Savior of the world, the Messiah who came to forgive them. My, um, my wife is awesome. If you haven't met her, you should meet her. She's great. She's fantastic. Um, I married way over my head, out kicked my coverage, the whole thing. Um, I'd do it all again uh, because she's fantastic. She's awesome. But um, you sense that was coming. Uh, there is this one thing. My wife has her cell phone, her iPhone, set at the brightest possible level possible, Right? Possible, possible. As, as bright as it can possibly, as a manufacturer will allow. You could land a plane on a deserted island with her phone. That's all you would need. She could just turn it on, plane would come right in, have no problem. It's just bright light, which is normally not a problem at all. It's, you know, it's preference, whatever you want is fine. Normally it doesn't bother me, except at night. 
And my wife's not a real phone person. I'm, I'm on my phone a lot more than my wife is. She's hardly ever on her phone. But there's always that last text or I'm checking to see if we have a kid in college, checking to see if she made it home. There's always that last minute thing. All the lights are out. It's dark. I'm in bed. I'm facing away from her. And this beam. Like showers over me. I feel my skin burn, hole in my retina. This, I don't want light when I'm going to sleep in the dark. I want to roll over and be left in the dark. Now, John, John says, in a spiritual way, not in a preference way, in a spiritual way, there are people that the light has come, <clears throat> and the light's not dim. Like Jesus made himself known. I am the light of the world. Jesus gave us his word. The story of Jesus has been, been told for 2,000 years. We're going to celebrate Easter in a few weeks. Like this is not some hidden secret. Jesus, as bright as he could possibly make it, said, I'm the light of the world. And there are people who just want to roll over and stay in the dark. They want to stay asleep. Because that's what you do in the dark. And they want to open their eyes to... This is the way. This is the one. This is the Messiah. John says, the light has come. Here's the problem. People love darkness. They love the fact that they've made up their own mind. They're going their own way. They're making their own decisions. And what happens is people settle for darkness when they were created for light. They were created to be in the light of Jesus, and they settle because they love darkness. They love the decisions that they're making that are contrary to what God wants for them. People settle for darkness when they were created for light. We were created for light. We were created to live in the light and the love of Jesus, of our Father God. That's what we were made for. And John says, yeah, but all, all throughout human history, people have decided, no, I'm, I'm happy in the dark. I, I love being in the dark and rejecting what Jesus wants for me. But part of the challenge is if all you've known is the dark and you've learned to love the dark, you don't realize you need the light. If all you've known is the dark, and, and you love the dark, and you've convinced yourself that what's happening in the dark is really light, you don't even see a need to move towards the light. You just keep affirming to yourself, no, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is my life. This is my choice. This is what makes me happy. You keep affirming the darkness to yourself, and you never turn to the one who is really, the one who is really light. But, but Jesus is calling us towards light. He's calling us to step out of the darkness and to step into the light. The, the other problem with loving the darkness, getting used to the darkness, is we interpret everything that happens through the lens of the darkness. We, we interpret everything that happens according to, well, I'm not going to believe that. Because I can't keep doing this if I believe that. Well, I'm not going to accept that 
because that contradicts what I'm doing here, and I really like what I'm doing here. That's what John said. Light's coming to the world. It's clear. Jesus was clear about His love. He's clear about His grace. He's, he's c- clear about what it means to follow Him and to give your life. He's clear about that. And many, many people decide, no, I'm not going to believe that's light because I want to stay in the darkness. What, is, what does light do for us? What, why is this image of light so important that Jesus would declare, I am the light of the world? Well, well for one, light gives us peace. When we're walking in the light, there is a peace that cut, there's a security that comes with that. Think back to when you were a kid and you, and you had the night light or you had the hall light. Like that, that gave you a sense of peace. It gave you a sense that things were okay. You could close your eyes and it'd be okay. You could see the room. You could see what was real and what was true. And you knew that even when you went to sleep, the light was still going to be there. That gave you this sense of of security, of strength, of, of an anchor. When Jesus says that He's the light, that's part of what He means. He's like, I, I, I want to shine my light on your life and your path so that you would have the security of knowing you're walking with me. You're walking in my light. You're not walking by yourself. You're not about to stub your toe. There's not some monster that appeared under your bed because the lights went out. My light is always with you. Well, that was a problem as a kid, right? We saw the, clear, the room clearly. We turned off the light, and immediately we didn't want to leave our, our hand hanging off the bed because then the monster could grab the hand, right? We immediately, we lost this sense of peace when we stepped into the dark. Jesus is saying, I want to give you peace. I want to give you confidence. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to direct you. Because I want to be your light. Other thing, light erases confusion. Light erases confusion. That that was the struggle as a kid. Because I couldn't see what was in front of me. The the darkness, we can just be specific, the darkness is a liar. That's part of the struggle with darkness. Darkness is a liar. The darkness will lie to us, just like it did when we were a kid. Hey, there's something under your bed. There's something in the closet. This is a monster walking across the floor. Darkness lies, not just when we're little kids. Darkness lies to us as adults. Fear, guilt, shame, arrogance. I know what's right. You can't tell me what's, what to do. I don't care what anybody says. The darkness is a liar to keep us Trapped in the darkness. What Jesus wants to do is to shine his light and erase the confusion that goes with being in the dark. Third, sort of the opposite of that, light helps us see what's true. Helps us see what's true. Erases the confusion so that we can see what's real. This is what's real. I know these people are saying this, but this is what's true and clear and real. I know that other people are doing this and making this decision. This is what's true. Apart from the light, we struggle to know what is clear and what is true and what is right. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I want to help you with that. I want you to trust me 
that I will illuminate right from wrong. And then you walk in that. You stay in my light. Now, here's the hard part. In some ways, we have to want to see in order to see. We have to want to leave the darkness and move into the light. It's part of what John was saying. Look, the light's come. People just love to be in the dark. People just love to hide. People just love to live their own life apart from Jesus. Lights come. People just love the darkness. Moving from darkness to life is, I recognize I'm in darkness and I want to step into the light. If you read John chapter 9, it's a whole story that tells that exact thing. Jesus and the disciples meet a blind man early in John chapter 9. Jesus says again, as he's talking to his disciples about him being the light, Jesus heals the blind man. He goes from darkness to light, blind, now I can see. All the lights come on, and then that triggers this series of events. Part of it is all the people who knew the blind man previously are coming up and asking if it's really real. Can you really see? What's over there? How many fingers am I holding up? What what color clothes am I wearing? So they're peppering with all these questions, trying to verify. And he said, yeah, 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 I can see. I can see. Jesus healed me, which then makes all the religious leaders angry because they don't want Jesus to get credit for anything. And we won't go through the whole thing, but, but right at the end, Jesus basically says, look, here's the problem. The problem is, When you recognize you're blind, you recognize you're in the dark, you can come into the light. When you recognize you're not seeing clearly, you can get your sight. But if you think you're seeing things clearly, you're going to stay blind. If you don't don't realize, my life needs to change. I, I need to stop loving the darkness, and I need to step into the light. You're not going to step into the light. You're going to stay asleep in the dark. And Jesus, who declared himself to be to the, the light of the world, is asking you to come follow him. Now, interestingly, there's another aspect to this light of the world. Because when we follow Jesus and we're walking in the light, living in the light, the light is in us. Jesus, when he made this pronouncement, I'm the light of the world, Jesus was physically here on earth. He's standing between those big candles. I'm the light of the world, right here. And Jesus isn't here anymore, except for the fact that Jesus is in us. Paul says it this way, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you, speaking to people like us, for you were once darkness. That's where you lived. That's what you loved. That's what you were about. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, and then Paul challenges us, live as children of light. Come on, live this out. You have received the light of God. You have received the light of Jesus in you. Live your life as children of light. Remember we said that the only way to have light is for Jesus to get to the darkness. So Jesus is now in us. Jesus is going to get to dark places. It's going to be because we go with Jesus in us into dark places and bring light. We encounter people who are still living in the dark, and we just bring light as much as we can 
to who they are. Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And, and he sort of spun this around. And at one point he said, you are the light of the world, talking to his followers. He says, I am the light of the world, speaking of himself in John chapter 8. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you're the light of the world. Foreshadowing the fact that he was going to leave and the Jesus that was going to remain here on the earth was going to be the Jesus that's in us. He, he went on to say, let your light shine before others so that people would see your good deeds and glorify your Father. Let your light shine in dark places. Let people see there's something different about you. There is a light inside of you. It's not coming from you. It's coming from the Jesus that's in you. You be the light in this world. If you grew up in church, some of us did, some of us didn't. It was a Sunday school song, like a VBS song. We used to sing way long time ago, This Little Light of Mine. Do you remember that song? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's a great song. Yeah, this, this light that is in you, it's not you, it's Jesus. Then we do that, hide it under a bushel. Yeah, exactly. We'd all scream no. That's what Paul says. Listen, this isn't just about us being thrilled, which we should be, that Jesus is the light and He brought us out of our darkness. And He called us to Himself and we followed after Him. And this light's never going out that's inside of me. Paul says, no, now go live as children of light in a dark world. You go be the light that Jesus has put in you. Because Jesus doesn't want to just be the light of the world. Jesus came to be the light of your world and my world and the places that I go and the people that I interact with and the people you interact with, the people you work with, the people you have conversations with, and the people you interact with on social media. Be children of light if you have come to know the light. Let's pray. I, I, don't, I don't have any special information or knowledge about anybody that's here. I, I, don't, I don't see in anybody's heart. I, I just want to say, Jesus is the light of the world. And if you haven't stepped into that light, why not do it today? If you're you're living, if you know, if you recognize today, I'm living apart from Jesus, that means you're in darkness, spiritual darkness. But the good news is Jesus came to bring you out of spiritual darkness and put you into the light. And that happens when you trust your life to Him. That the light not only came, but He lived and He died and He rose again for you. So that the light of the world could come to live in you. And you would become children of the light. And if that's never happened, don't make excuses today. Don't don't say all the whys and why nots. And don't get defensive. Don't love the darkness. I'm begging you. Don't love the darkness when you could walk in the light. And those of you who have given your life over to Christ, you're now to... Walk as children of light. 
That's who you're supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be in this world. Children of light. God, thank you that Jesus came to be the light and we would never have to live in darkness again. God, we know that the darkness is a liar. The darkness is deceptive. The the darkness convinces us of things that aren't true. It's only when we step into the light of Jesus and His forgiveness that we begin to see light clearly. So help us to walk in the light. And help us to be children of the light. Help us to take Jesus, the light of the world, into the dark places that we know of, that there might be light. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.